Exodus 17. We'll start at verse 8 and we'll read through the end of the chapter. We got the first half of this a couple of weeks ago. The last thing we read about was Moses getting water from the rock for the Israelites as they're making their journey away from Egypt and heading toward the promised land at this point. They are still grumbling along the way. We kind of see this pattern uh, that we've seen a lot over the last few weeks. There is a need. God is not meeting the need as quick as they think it should be met, and they begin to grumble and complain or wish that they were back in Egypt or are fearful, fearful that they are going to die in the wilderness and uh, kind of taking their frustrations out on Moses and, and all the while showing a lack of faith and trust that the Lord is going to deliver them. But as we've seen throughout all these instances, God has been faithful to deliver them from Egypt and God has been faithful to provide their needs just at the right time as they have needed them. And so that's what we uh, left off with in the last, uh, last time we talked in the first half of chapter 17. And here we're going to kind of uh, shift gears a little bit. Uh, what we'll see here is Israel facing some enemies. Now this is going to be kind of a common theme for Israel uh, as they get ready to enter the promised land. We remember that from when we went through the book of Joshua a few months back. This idea of, of Israel going in to take a land that God has promised them, they're going into a land that other people inhabit. Uh, and here on this journey along the way today, uh, they come across Amalek and the Amalekites. And we see that they, uh, they, don't, they don't deal well with Israel. They deal harshly with Israel. So we'll read through the text and we'll pray and then we'll jump in. Exodus 17 verse 8. At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us to go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. The Lord then said to Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Indeed, my hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne, so the Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray. Father God, as we look at these verses tonight, there is so much in here, dear Lord. There are so many things that we're introduced to and, and things that we see in your word. So help us to understand what took place in these verses tonight, God, and help us to see how, how you used Moses, God, how you cared for your people, how you were there uh, to, to fight with them, God, to help them to, to win this battle. And I pray, God, that you would just help the Holy Spirit to reveal something through these words tonight that each and every one of us need to hear. I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you get our minds straight and help us to concentrate. And I pray that you'd be glorified in this place, dear Lord. Just let the Holy Spirit speak through me tonight. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. 
Now, these verses are full of a lot of good things, uh, one of which we see we're introduced to the Amalekites here. Now, we've seen Amalek mentioned earlier in the Bible, but here's where we really have a, a real introduction of the Amalekites and who they are and the type of attitude that they have. Now, Amalek was a descendant of Esau. Now, you may remember the story of Jacob and Esau uh, in the, in, uh, back in Genesis, and you can go back and read that sometime if you want to. Uh, to make a long story short, there was some tension there between uh, those sides of the families because of the birthright and the blessing and the things that took place and the deception that went on there. And so there was some tension there to, to sum it up uh, very briefly. Uh, this tension had no doubt probably stemmed down through the generations. So here was Amalek, a descendant of Esau, and here are the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, and the Israelites are heading through on the way to the promised land, and Amalek no doubt sees them coming through, and the Bible doesn't really say why he attacks them, but we can only imagine that it's because of some family conflict that's been building throughout the years, or at least that's my belief as to why Amalek came uh, against them. But it says in verse, uh, uh, verse 8 that Amalek came and fought against Israel. Now Moses, it says in verse 9, said to Joshua. Now this is the first reference we have of Joshua. It's no doubt, uh, it's not by no means the last, but it is the first reference that we have of Joshua. And here we see Joshua and we get the idea that he was close to Moses even at this time. He was uh, been one that Moses would have trusted one that Joshua uh, obviously was one that Moses had put in power to lead the people out to go and fight against the Amalekites. Uh, Joshua is an important figure as we look at the Old Testament because Joshua is pointing us forward to Jesus. Just as Joshua was the one who eventually led the people into the promised land, it's kind of a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do as far as delivering us and being able to deliver us into the promised land that we could call heaven. Their names are even the same. If we were to do an exact uh, translation, uh, Jesus' name would be Joshua. Now, there's lots of reasons why we call Jesus Jesus and Joshua Joshua. And that's all well and good. We don't want to get too caught up with that. But the name Yeshua is the same name that Jesus had. So Yeshua and Joshua is the same name in both Greek and in Hebrew. And so it's even a greater uh, 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 telling us that Joshua is a foreshadowing of Jesus who is to come. So the Israelites are getting ready for battle. Now, we have to remember that here are the Israelites who had been enslaved for all these years. They probably didn't have a lot of uh, fighting knowledge. They probably hadn't had a lot of training. And they probably didn't have a lot of weapons, although the Scripture doesn't tell us. But I would imagine that they probably were limited in their resources. But they did have one resource that was more important than anything else. And that was the power of the Lord. And so here the Israelites are about to face an enemy along the way to the promised land. But Moses tells Joshua, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Here we see the mention of God's staff, of the staff that Moses had been using. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly what Moses was doing up there, why he felt like he needed to hold his hands out. Perhaps God had 
put that on his heart in some way. Perhaps his faith was so strong and he knew that God had used that staff in so many powerful ways in the past. He had used it as he struck the Nile River and it was turned into blood. He had raised the staff up as the Red Sea was parted. He had used the staff to strike the rock so that water would come from it. This staff that God had given to Moses had done many miraculous things and perhaps Moses trusting in God and having faith in God and knowing God's power, Moses believed that he was to go up there and if he did this, that the power of God would deliver the people. We don't really know why Moses did that because the text doesn't tell us. But no doubt Moses' faith was strong. Perhaps Moses was praying to the Lord while he was holding his hands out again. This are just thoughts of things that could have taken place because the text doesn't tell us. But as Joshua and the Israelites went to fight with the Amalekites, the Bible tells us as long as Moses' hands were held out holding the staff, then the Israelites would begin to win the battle. As soon as Moses would let his hands down, the Amalekites would begin to win the battle. And so there was a tie-in, there was a connection between whatever Moses was doing, whether it was his faith of holding up his hands, whether he was prayerful while he was holding up his hands, he was interceding on behalf of the people. Perhaps it was for the good of the people to remind them as they looked up and they saw Moses on the hill holding the staff. Perhaps that was a reminder and a, and a motivation for them to say, look, God has delivered us through these things in the past with this staff of Moses, and perhaps it was a reminder to them. But as long as Moses was there interceding on their behalf, uh, the Israelites would win the battle. Now Moses was only a human. His strength would eventually give out. But he had a couple of helpers there with him. He had Aaron and he had her who was there with him. And they even placed a rock under him so that Moses could sit down. And they stood on each side of him and they held his hands up when he was too tired to do it on his own so that the Israelites could win the battle. Now, I think there's a couple of good things that we can take from this text. One is, is that we see Moses interceding for the people. We see Moses, whether it's by his faith or by his prayers, whatever his actions were led by, it was his interceding that was causing the people by the power of God to be able to win this battle. Now, there may be people that we see in our life who are in a battle. With, with some kind of uh, something that they're struggling with, maybe uh, with some kind of addiction, with, with something they're trying to overcome, whatever it may be. There are lots of obstacles that we place, uh, that we face in our life, and perhaps uh, God may put it on to us that we need to intercede for someone. And we need to be careful to realize that we need to be faithful to intercede on their behalf. Because you never know when it could be our prayers or our actions that could be helping this person get through the situation. Perhaps them knowing that we are praying for them may have done just the same amount of good that, that it did for the Israelites to look up and see Moses was up there. Perhaps just that reminder to know there is somebody up there, a man of God, one that, that God has appointed who is, who is there for us, who is, who is holding his hands up for us, and perhaps that reminder was enough to encourage them. Perhaps our words of encouragement to those we encounter to let them know, hey, brother, hey, sister, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you every day. I'm praying for you. I'm not giving up. And maybe that little motivation will help them continue on to know that God is looking out for them, to know that there is a, a brother and sister in Christ who is looking out for them and who is praying for their needs. 
Now, maybe we're praying for someone who is not a Christian. Maybe the fact that they see us as, as believers praying for them may be enough to help them realize that there is a God who loves them, to make them turn to God and see the power of God in its fullness. We see uh, this, this example of Moses interceding, but we also see that there were times uh, here for Moses that he could not go on on his own, that he needed some help. Now, I think that's true for us, too. There are times that we are doing God's work that we can't go on anymore, that we are wore out, that we feel weary, that we feel tired, that we don't feel like we can do anymore. But maybe God has called us to do something that needs to be done. And what we notice here is that Moses' friend, Moses' brother and, and her, helped him. They helped him hold his arms up when he was not strong enough to go any further. His friends helped him to go the rest of the way. And that's why I think it's so important and such a blessing that God calls us together as brothers and sisters in Christ in a church. Because there are times in our walk with the Lord, there are times in our serving the Lord that we just get wore out, both physically and, and mentally. And we need our brothers and sisters beside us lifting us up. Maybe not in a physical sense, although maybe sometimes. Maybe not always in a physical sense, but definitely in a spiritual sense. We need to lift one another up. We need to help one another out. If we see a brother or sister in Christ who is serving the Lord and we say, you know what, I think I could help. I think I could take some of the load off of them. Boy, when we help each other, things work out. If, if, if Aaron and her hadn't have been there to help Moses out, Moses may have been too weak to continue to hold his arms up and the Israelites may have lost. But God placed helpers there for Moses, and I believe that God places us together so that we can be helpers for one another. And ultimately, because of God's power, because of Moses' faith, because of the people's faith, because of Joshua's leadership, they were able to defeat the Amalekites. Now, this was a big deal. This, this idea of the Amalekites fighting the Israelites, this event right here is mentioned in Deuteronomy the way that the Amalekites treated uh, the Israelites uh, in a wrong way and attacked them for no reason. And God did not forget that. We see the Amalekites mentioned again throughout the Old Testament. Probably the most memorable occurrence of the Amalekites was when Saul was supposed to go and kill the Amalekites. Now you can find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 15 if you want to go back and read it. Now Saul was the first king of, of Israel. Not Saul who was later named Paul in the New Testament. This is a different Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel and they were fighting against the Amalekites and God gave Saul very specific instructions. It was because of these acts that the Amalekites did, as God said at the end of chapter 17, that they would eventually be completely destroyed. It was because of these acts that they did toward the Israelite that God was going to bring punishment on the Amalekites. And so he told Saul, go and attack the Amalekites and destroy everything. Destroy everyone, every person, all their livestock, destroy everything. But Saul didn't do that. It says in the text that when Saul went that he captured their king. And not only did he capture their king, but it says he kept all the best livestock out. And that's not what God told him to do. God told him to completely destroy the Amalekites. As a result of that, uh, God took the kingship away from Saul and David became the king after that. But also as a result of that, some of the Amalekites remained. 
And the Amalekites continued to be a problem for the Israelites. Now, eventually, the Amalekites were destroyed, probably around about the time of Hezekiah. But, but it's important for us to realize from that story that sometimes God may call us to do something, and when God calls us to do something, that we want to do it completely. We don't want to have to do it. We don't want to cut corners. We don't want to try to improvise like Saul did, but we want to carry out what God calls us to do. In the case here, uh, God had already pointed out to the Israelites what was going to happen to the Amalekites eventually. And it was Saul's job to carry out the punishment that God was going to pour out on them. <clears throat> but in this moment, in this instance of what we see in Exodus, the Israelites were able to win the battle. I would imagine that that gave them some confidence. I don't know that the Israelites had ever really fought a big battle before, and here they are fighting against enemies who are coming against them and attacking them, and through the power of God and the faith and trust of Moses, they were able to defeat their enemy, and they were on their way to the promised land. We're on our way. We're on a journey. We're not going to a promised land in this world. We're going to an eternity in heaven if we're in Christ Jesus. But along that journey, we may sometimes be attacked. Uh, we may sometimes be attacked for no reason, just like the Israelites were attacked. We may face hard times. And I think it's important for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to intercede for other people, to pray for them, to lift them up. To pray that God would protect them, to deliver them. We do that a lot. The free Burma Rangers come to mind. When we pray for them, we are, we, are, we, are, we are praying an intercessory prayer that God would deliver them, that God would be with them, that God would help them, that God would take care of them. And we do that for uh, people here too. We need to pray for one another and be there for those who may be in the battle. And we also need to help one another. There may be some of us who are in a battle, who are in a struggle, who are maybe just doing a good work. Maybe it's not even, we're not even fighting sin. We're just doing God's work. And that in and of itself is just taking a toll on us. And sometimes it can be the case. That's why it's important for us to encourage one another, to love one another, and to let each other know that we are here. And maybe you see a brother and sister in Christ here in this church, and you say, you know what, he or she's got a lot on them. They're doing a lot of work. Maybe there's something I could do to help. And just offering to help or just coming to help, or just going to help, or whatever that may be, if God puts that on your heart, then we need to follow through with that, and we need to do it. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words, God. There's so much that goes on in these verses, but God, help us not to miss your power. Dear Lord, you delivered your people then, and you will ultimately deliver us now. God, you deliver us from many little battles along the way, and one day you're going to deliver us for all of eternity. God, help us to intercede for those who, who may need interceding for, dear Lord, those that we're trying to reach, those that we know that's doing your work. God, let us just lift them up in prayer, God, so that we can be an encouragement to them. Let us, God, tell them that we're praying for them, that we're there for them, God, to, to remind them that you're, that you're watching over them, dear Lord. Sometimes we need to hear those words in our struggles, and others do too. So help us to, to be faithful to tell those that we're praying for, that we're praying for them, God, and that you love them so that they can feel your power and encouragement through that. God, I pray that you help us to be there for one another. Just as Moses' friends were there to help him, God, sometimes we need people here to help us. So God, if there are some that are just kind of weighed down and struggling and, and need help, maybe they don't even realize it, dear Lord, but, but help us to realize it. 
Put it on our heart. Put us in a position. Uh, give us an opportunity maybe to help with, with somebody. Not even just somebody that comes to this church, dear Lord. Maybe it's somebody who's serving you in another capacity in another church and we just come across what they're doing, dear Lord, and there's some way that we can help. God, help us to be obedient to help other brothers and sisters in Christ doing the work, dear Lord, just to give them that strength and encouragement that they need to help them to get by on the days where maybe they have lost the strength to get by on their own. God, let us help them to continue to serve and do what you call them to do. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.